How did you do on the fill in the blank verses a minute ago? Sorry about that. Something wrong with the fonts there on the computers. Why the why the scriptures didn't show up? But maybe a little quiz for you. See if you could fill in the blanks. What those books were. I remember back. And it's a good while back now. I remember the first car that my brother and I had, and we shared to drive to school. We got it for fifty dollars. It was an old Dodge. But we were glad to have it. Uh, but I remember one day my dad saw me sort of showing out with the car, abusing it a little bit. I didn't know he saw it. When I got home, he, he lined me out. He let me know that I wasn't to be doing that. He straightened me out real good. I, I didn't really understand why he was so upset about that. I didn't think it was that big a deal. I didn't think it could be that hurtful to the car, what I was doing. I just didn't understand why. I came to find out why later on, because then when it became my job to keep a car in service, when I was the one who had to see to it that the repairs and the maintenance were done on a car, I began to realize why my dad was concerned if I was doing something that might cause the car to break and then have to be fixed. I, I didn't understand why he made that, why he was so upset about that at the time, but I came to understand about that later. My dad had lots of rules to live by. And I have to say that as an immature teenager in particular, I didn't always understand those rules and, and why he made those rules. But I knew, because my dad was a pretty strict disciplinarian, I knew that I better obey those rules whether I understood them or not. And I imagine a lot of you here this morning can probably relate to that. That growing up, you didn't understand the rules, but you knew you had to live by them anyway. I want to parallel that this morning to our relationship with God. And I want to suggest to you that God has rules for us to live by, and we may not always understand why. But here's what we want to say in our lesson this morning. We need to choose to obey God, to trust Him and obey Him, even when we don't understand. Do you agree with that concept? We want to sort of build upon that this morning. I choose to trust God even when I don't understand the why of things. That's going to be our lesson this morning. We stop here for just a minute to thank you for being with us on this Lord's Day. It's a beautiful uh, day in Middle Tennessee, and we are greatly privileged to be able to be together. We're glad that you're here and that you're joining with us in what we think are some of the most important things we'll be doing all week. Here we are at the start of a new week, and we're starting out with some of the most important things that we'll do all week long. And that is to gather together to study from God's Word, to worship Him, to honor, praise, and honor and glory to Him. And we think this is very important. We're glad that you do too. Uh, and thanks for joining us. A special welcome to all who are visiting with us today. Please come again whenever you have a chance. I want to tell you that this sermon and the topic of this sermon is an assignment that I've been given. I'm to speak this coming Wednesday night in Fayetteville, Tennessee. Uh, and they assigned me this topic. And so as I usually do when I'm given such an assignment, I try it out on you all first. You're sort of my guinea pigs. And so uh, that's what I'm doing this morning. But I do think this is a worthy consideration. I choose to trust God even when I don't understand. I want to start out by making a point that I think is very important. And that is that God's will, His revealed truth, is understandable and it is complete and finished. I would not want anyone to leave with the wrong impression thinking that we took the view that God's 
message to mankind that his dealings with man, that his rules and regulations to live by are not understandable. No, they're very understandable. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the religious world when they look at the Bible and say, oh, nobody can understand the Bible. The Bible is just far too hard to understand. Nobody can make any sense of that. And that is absolutely not true. The Bible was given to us by an almighty God who certainly has the capacity to make things understandable to us feeble mortal men, and he did. And so, although there may be some things that I don't understand, the vast majority of things that God tells me to do are very understandable. We can clearly understand them. And he's given us everything that we need. A familiar passage to us is 2 Timothy 3, beginning verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, notice, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This will make you complete. This is everything you need. Uh, any good work you need to be doing is described here in the Word of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, one of our previous memory verses says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We've often pointed out this is using the past tense. His divine power hath given, or has already given, what? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. If it is about living life, if it is about being godly, serving Him, Everything you need to know is revealed in his word. I really think that all means all. In, in that passage, when he says all things, it means all things. Everything we need is there. But there's more. In the passage that Mark read for us earlier from Ephesians chapter 3, uh, Paul goes into a little more detail about how this works. He said, "Ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me. Okay, there's the inspiration part, right? By revelation, God made things known to Paul. Okay? Then he says, um, he, he revealed, he, the revelation he made known unto me, the mystery, and I wrote afore in few words. So what did Paul do with what God had revealed to him? He wrote it down. But, and, and so, uh, God's revelation, Paul's work in writing those things that had been revealed, but notice this then. When ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's how it works. God revealed to inspired men like Paul, they wrote it down, we read it, we understand it. It's not that this is just such an incredibly difficult thing. Uh, it was a mystery before, and he uses the word mystery, but that mystery has now been revealed. And Paul wrote it down, and we can read it, and we can understand it. In fact, later in that same epistle, in chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're actually commanded to understand. If God gives a command, it's obviously something that can be done, right? It would not be in the nature of God to command us to do something that's impossible to accomplish. For instance, what would it be like if God said, okay, to go to heaven, you have to walk from Los Angeles to Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, wait a minute. Walk from California to Hawaii? You can't do that, right? A lot of ocean between California and Hawaii. That's impossible. What does, what, what does it mean God commanded us to do something? We there's, nobody, there's no way anybody could do that. Well, that's not in the nature of God to make such commands. When God commands something, it's obviously doable. And when He commanded us to understand His will... 
then that is clearly something that we can do. And so, in regards to this idea, I, I, I choose to trust God even when I don't understand. I first want to make the point that God's will to us is understandable. It's not like this is just such a confusing thing and the Bible is so difficult that nobody can comprehend it. It's, that's not the case. I want to make sure we have that point clear. I want to add to that, say the big problem, whenever there's any issue, the big problem is not with what God has done, but with me. The big problem is not lack of understanding. The big problem is, am I committed enough to do what he told me to do? I think that's the real issue. Mark Twain is uh, famous for saying, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. And I think that's exactly true, right? Uh, that we just got to commit ourselves to doing what is plainly taught in the Word of God. Jesus described the people of his day in Matthew chapter 13, beginning verse 15. This people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Jesus said the people just closed their eyes and ears. They're not even trying to understand. They could understand if they'd open their eyes and ears, but they won't. I got to tell you, that, that description there sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? People just won't even try to understand what the will of God is. But I want to tell you something. That's not a new situation. As, uh, we may think we live in bad times in that regard, and we do. But they were obviously bad times in the, when Jesus was alive too, because that's how he described them, right? But I want to tell you that that disposition of not really wanting to apply what the Word of God says really goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, you remember when the serpent came and tempted Eve, it says, Now the serpent said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden may we eat, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it nor touch it lest you die. What would you say about Eve there? I would say that she understood God's rules, wouldn't you? In fact, she understood them plainly enough that she could recite them. She knew what the rules were. The problem was she just didn't commit to obeying that rule, correct? And I want to say that situation continues today. That's my problem. That's all of our problems. It's, the big problem is not that the Bible is impossible to understand. That's not the big problem. The big problem is me. Uh, I've got to commit to learn that will of God and obey it. That's the hurdle that's got to be overcome. That is the issue. Now, having made those couple of points, then we want to go on to say, yes, agreed. There are some things that I don't understand about the Bible. And I think that we can pinpoint some of the reasons why there are things we don't understand about the Bible. First of all, God simply hasn't chosen to reveal everything. Back when I was a kid, the preacher at home was Denver Niemeyer. I remember Denver Niemeyer. And one of the things I remember about him is he very frequently recited Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Notice, this passage clearly indicates that some things are not revealed. That God has chosen not to tell us everything. There's some secret things that belong to God. So, don't be surprised about that then. 
If there's some things you don't understand, don't be so surprised about that. Accept that reality. That you don't have to understand anything. God didn't choose to tell you everything. I would go further to add that the Bible really wasn't written just to satisfy our curiosity. There's a whole list of things I'd like to know more about. I don't know about you, but there's a whole list of things that sort of leave me wondering. Wonder what about that? In fact, a while back I, I wrote a list of, the, of some of those things, and I, I won't take time to read all these to you. But uh, wonder if you have some of the same curiosities about some of these. Who wrote the book of Hebrews anyway? Was it Paul or somebody else? Uh, what about Jesus in his early life? You know, uh, we read about him at his birth, then we don't read anything else about him until he was 12. What happened in those years anyway? Uh, and, and for that matter, what happened from 12, from age 12 to age 30? A lot more years there. We don't have any information. And what about that guy Joseph, uh, Mary's husband? What happened to him? We read about him uh, when Jesus, uh, at Jesus' birth and age, but when Jesus then is 30, he's not, what happened to him? Did he die? Uh, did he fall away? What, what, what happened to Joseph? Uh, uh, what about that Ethiopian eunuch? You know, he went off to his home in Africa and what became of him there? Whatever happened to the Ethiopian eunuch after we read about him in Acts chapter 8? Uh, whatever happened to the woman at the well? John chapter 4. What, what, what eventually, what eventually happened to her? You know, she'd been married five times and she was living with a man she wasn't married to and Jesus spoke to her. Whatever happened to her after Jesus had that encounter with him? Um, do you remember in Matthew 27 when at the time Jesus died, the tombs were open and some people came forth? Whatever happened to those people? You ever wonder about that? Well, sure. Right? We read those things, we wonder about them. Uh, there's a whole, I got a whole bunch more things on my list, but just, that's just a sampling of some of the things we don't know. But you know, the reason is, the Bible wasn't written just to satisfy our curiosity. That's not the purpose for which God revealed His truth. Um, but the point we really want to stress is, the things that I don't know, I don't need to know. And everything that I do need to know has been revealed. In John chapter 21, beginning verse 25, here's another admission that not everything is included in the Scripture. John says, There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain all the books that should be written. Uh, a lot of things. John's admitting there's a lot of things that are not written down in this book. All right? But, he stressed in chapter 20, beginning in verse 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through him. John is clearly acknowledging there are things that are not recorded for us, information we don't have, but everything we do need is written there, and we need to have that confidence. So yes, there's some things I don't understand. Some of that may be due to something that God didn't reveal. Some of that may be due uh, to the fact that that's just a curiosity I don't need to know about. i got to tell you again, though, I think the really big issue is sometimes I just don't study carefully enough and I don't apply myself to comprehend what has been revealed. I think these couple of factors are there, no doubt about that. But I really think this is the big factor. If there's some matter of lack of understanding or misunderstanding... 
It usually has to do with me. I haven't studied hard enough. And I haven't applied myself to comprehend, as I should, what God has revealed. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's interesting to do a little word study on hunger and thirst here. Because Jesus purposefully used terms, as I understand it, to describe not just a, a mild craving. You know, uh, here in about an hour, we're going to say, uh, it's time for lunch. I'm hungry. But I'm not really hungry, you know. I could go without lunch if I had to. It wouldn't hurt me. It'll probably do me good to go without lunch, you know. I just say I'm hungry, but I'm just not, I'm not dying, you know. I'm not starving to death. But when Jesus used this word hunger, that word means starving to death for it. And when he used the word thirst, he was talking about the description of a man dying of dehydration. Jesus wasn't talking about a mild craving. He didn't say, blessed are those who do mildly crave after righteousness. No, he says, blessed are those who hunger like a starving man. Blessed are those who crave it like a man dying of dehydration. And if we seek after righteousness like that, Jesus said, we will be filled. And so, I need that kind of desire for a knowledge of God and His will. And I really believe that if I apply myself at that level, a lot of these misunderstandings and lack of understandings will disappear. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word study there, as we've pointed out so many times before, other versions will use an expression like give diligence. And so it's not literally the word study, like you sit down and open a book and study it. It's not literally the idea of studying your Bible. It's the idea of giving diligence. But part of that diligence would include the study of the Bible. In fact, the passage ends with an admonition to rightly divide the word of truth, or as other versions say, handling aright or handling correctly the word of truth. I've got to study to do that, right? I've got to apply myself diligently uh, to know and live the Word of God in my life. So, yes, there are some things I don't understand. But I think, we, I think we can even understand the reason why we don't understand. And we can make some corrections in, in those regards. But, having said all of that, to the theme of the assignment, what about the things that I don't understand? What do I do? Well... I need to just trust God, even when, even maybe with my best effort, I don't understand why He said what He said, I still need to obey. One of the reasons why is because God's instructions are always in our best interest. We like Deuteronomy 6.24 along this line. Deuteronomy 6 verse 24 says, The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Now, that's what Moses was saying to the children of Israel. But I think that principle still applies to us. We don't live under that same law, but we serve the same God. God gave the Israelites instructions that were for their good. He does the same for us. He gives us a law to live by, instructions to follow, commands to obey for our good. Uh, God is not a God who's just up there in heaven, sort of hatefully composing rules and restrictions just to see how hard He can make it for us. 
That's not in the nature of God. God's a loving, heavenly Father. And He gives us instructions because He knows what's best for us. He made us, after all. And He knows what's best for us, and He has put His rules in place in order to provide for our well-being. It's just like a parent. Well, I told you earlier, my dad had a lot of rules. Why did he have those rules? Well, he had those rules because he knew what was best for me. Your father did too. And those of us who are parents today try to follow that same pattern, don't we? We try to instruct our kids in what's best for them. We're fallible. God is perfect. And he perfectly has provided a will for us to ensure our well-being. It's for our good. And so even when I don't understand, I need to obey. It's for my good. In 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 10, Peter said, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew peace and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Well, notice, for he that will love life and see good days, that's what we want, right? Love life, see good days. Basically, what does Peter say? Live the way God says. And that will happen that way. God's will is for our good. So, even when I don't understand, I need to trust God. His instructions are for my good. Furthermore, I would say we need to obey. Even if you don't understand, you need to obey simply because God said so. Uh, I've mentioned my dad a couple times already. I can remember my dad saying, I don't know how many times I remember him saying, because I said so. I would say, why? And he would fire back because I said so. Now, he didn't always do that, but he frequently had to do that because I was pretty bad to ask why. Um, when my dad said that, I didn't like it. You do it because I said so. I didn't like it when he said that. But you know what? Uh, over time, I made those the very same argument to my kids, and you probably have too. It's about authority, isn't it? It's about authority. You do what I said because I said so. It's about authority. A parent has authority over a child. A child's supposed to obey his parent. And sometimes, I don't think we should do this all the time, I don't think we should do this the majority of the time, but sometimes as parents we tell our kids, you just do it because I said so. Maybe I don't have time or inclination to explain myself right now. I really do believe that we give instructions for the good of our children, but sometimes we don't have time or inclination to explain all of that to them and just do it because I said so. Well, God, if, if, if a fallible human parent has the right to say that, God certainly does. God is the sovereign God of heaven. Uh, and He has the authority to command and we should obey, no matter what, whether we understand or not. In Isaiah chapter 45, beginning verse 5, I am the Lord, there is no other, there is no God beside me. From the rising of the sun to its setting, there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. God is God. God has the authority. Sovereign God in heaven can say, and we must respond in obedience, that's just the way it is. Now, as we pointed out in our lesson this morning, God has really thoroughly explained himself in the Scriptures. Uh, and, and we can be very grateful for that. He didn't have to. He didn't have to explain himself at all. He could have just laid down the rules and let that be that. But he has explained himself quite thoroughly. But even when I don't understand all of that, I just need to do it. Just do it. An old Nike commercial, just do it, is, is an applicable expression here. Just do it. It's God's command. Just do that because he said so. 
Isaiah goes on in Isaiah 29 to make an interesting illustration. He says in Isaiah 29, verse 16, You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? And that what is made should say to the maker, He did not make me, or what is formed, say to him who formed it, He has no understanding? Basically, Isaiah is saying, The clay does not have a have the right to respond to the potter who is forming the clay. Why have you made me like this? Or to say, you didn't make me at all. No, the clay is the product, right, of the potter's work. The potter is the one who has authority over the clay, not vice versa. Isaiah said that the people his day had things turned around. Well, we do too, don't we? We've got things turned around, and we're accusing God. Why have you made me this way? Or maybe you didn't even make me at all. That's not right. We have a sovereign God in heaven. And even if we don't understand everything he tells us to do, we should just do it anyway because he said so. But then ultimately, I would argue that only one thing really matters. And that is not the affairs of this day-to-day life on earth, but going to heaven in eternity. Ultimately, that's the only thing that matters. I want you to think for a minute about the Apostle Paul. You think the Apostle Paul ever wondered why things were happening as they were? For instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 24, a well-known passage in which he describes a lot of things that he'd had to suffer for the cause of Christ. He says, for I, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 24, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. You think the Apostle Paul could have ever said, why? Why, God, are you letting all these kind of things happen to me? Why is all this going on in my life? Why is it so hard? Why have I suffered all these horrible things? Do you think he could have ever asked why? I think he probably could have. But what was his disposition? His disposition is expressed as he approached the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, beginning verse 6, For I am ready to be offered. The time of my departure is hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also unto all those also that love his appearing. Paul said, the only thing that mattered to me was finishing this course, keeping the faith, finishing uh, the work that God gave me to do. And that needs to be our disposition too, because as we said, ultimately only one thing really matters, and that is going to heaven when this life is over. We don't have to know all the whys and wherefores. We know a lot of them. We know the vast majority of them. But even in regards to the minority of things that we may not understand in regards to what God has revealed or how things are going on in our day-to-day lives. We don't have to understand it all. We just have to continue to be faithful to God. I choose to trust God even when I don't understand. That needs to be our disposition. That needs to be our outlook. What's your situation this morning? Are you trusting God? Fully trusting God? To fully trust God means to obey Him. We've tried to point that out. He's explained himself. We know a lot of the reasons why he gave us the rules he gave us. But bottom line, we just need to obey him. He is the God of heaven. Have you obeyed him? Are you a Christian this morning? Have you obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation?
If not, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. Nothing else really matters. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. Are you a Christian already, but maybe you've not been faithfully serving the God of heaven? Maybe you've fallen back and you haven't been doing His will? Maybe even because some things happened in your life that you don't really understand. Why? Why would God let that happen? Or why would this transpire? Why? Well, there aren't always answers to all those questions. We know all the essential things. But maybe if you've let something in your life make you turn back from serving God faithfully, don't stay in that condition. Ultimately, as we said, only one thing matters. If you're a Christian but you have not been serving your Lord faithfully, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.